Hello, Bettys. Welcome to the show. Before we get to our guest today, I just wanted to let you know that we have such an epic list of guests coming up in March. We are talking about menopause. We're talking about autoimmunity. We're talking about muscle building. We're talking about recovery practices. And I don't want you to miss any of it. Even if you are listening to the podcast, you may not necessarily be subscribed. So you're going to have to manually go into your podcast app and press play. I would love for you to hit that subscribe button so that you are getting the podcast as they are released. It's going to make me oh so happy to know that you are a subscriber of the pod. You are officially a Betty in the Bettyverse. And of course, you are never going to miss an episode and be the first to know when it drops. Thank you so much. Every single one of my movies has hope. And so I feel like if we can give people hope, they can find their dreams again. But when we're hopeless, um, it's impossible to dream. Dan Sullivan says it in a great way. Like It's impossible to be creative when you're feeling scarcity minded. Like you've got to get to a point of like, of abundant thinking to be creative. And so I think everyone can dream, but they have to find hope first. Welcome back to The Better Podcast with yours truly, Dr. Stephanie Estima. This show is for high-performing women who want better bodies, better minds, better relationships, better sex, and better families, and want to hear from a woman that can take the complex science and make it easy to integrate into everyday life. Every week, I'll be giving you access to world-class scientists, medical doctors, plastic surgeons, professional athletes, Olympic gold medalists, Hollywood actors, parenting coaches, sex experts, and psychologists. I am always looking to answer this question. What are the simplest things that we can do today to get better tomorrow? I am part geek, part magic, and it is my mission to be the voice for women. Let's get better together. Hello, Bettys. Welcome back to another interview on the Better Podcast. And this week, I have a special interview. I am interviewing my fiancé, Giovanni Marcico, and the director of their new film, Dreamer, Nick Nanton. Now, just before we get into why I wanted to interview my fiance for the pod, I wanted to read a review that came in for the podcast. This comes from Miss JJW via Apple Podcasts in the US of A. And she writes, where have you been all my life? I am so glad I found this marvelous podcast the relevant science-backed information, rapport between the Stephanies with their forthright genuineness, genuineness is magic. Thank you for contributing substantive, honest material to the world of podcasts. It's a home run. I really appreciate this, Ms. JJW, and know how busy and important you are. So to take the time out of your day to write this review is really helpful. And of course, the more ratings and the more reviews that this podcast receive, obviously, the more we can find other Bettys that are just like us. And we are trying to amalgamate a Betty army. So if you have found this podcast useful in any way, I would please lovingly invite you to write a review, give it a five-star rating on whether it's Spotify or Apple or Google Pod, wherever you're listening to it, because the more Bettys that find this podcast, the better this world will be. So with that said, let's move on to the podcast. So as I said, interviewing Nick Nanton and Giovanni. So Nick Nanton is a 15 times Emmy Award winning director. And he has gone from the slums of Port-au-Prince in Haiti to, you know, with special forces raiding like sex trafficking rings to the Virgin Galactic Spaceport with Sir Richard Branson. And he really, in his words, he focuses on the most fascinating subject in the world, which is 
people. He's done more than 60 documentaries, sold out Broadway show, which garnered 34 Emmy nominations, 15 wins, uh, as I mentioned before. And he's made films and shows featuring Larry King, Tony Robbins, Sir Richard Branson, Dean Kamen, Lisa Nichols, Peter Diamandis, and now Giovanni Marcico's story. And I wanted both of them on the pod to discuss the new documentary, Dreamer, and why it is so important in why it's so important right now. And Dreamer is a story worth telling, in my opinion, to never give up on your dreams. And they highlight some of the most wonderful stories where you have people that you would just never give a chance, you would just kind of shrug them off and they end up proving you wrong. So uh, Lisa Nichols is featured in the film and you may know Lisa because she's been on the podcast before and she's coming back on, which I'm super excited about. Uh, He speaks to Anusha Ansari. She's the first female private citizen to fly to space. Jessica Cox, the first pilot, uh, male or female, to fly a plane with no arms. She flies it with her feet. She was born without arms. And then others like Peter Diamandis from XPRIZE, Dean Kamen, Richard Branson is in the film as well. And it is a story about Giovanni at the core of it, not giving up on his dreams and what that does. And we started off this conversation with Nick Nanton talking about some of the other stories that he has told, like the human trafficking and sex trafficking uh, films, and goes into some detail around how this is not just happening in you know poor countries like Haiti, but in our backyard. And he talks about an upcoming film that he, an upcoming documentary called In Your Backyard. So I will link to those in the show notes as that information becomes available. And I'll also have in the show notes, Nick's, the link to the Dreamer documentary that you can sign up for and watch for free and some of the other documentaries that he's done. So we talked about why this documentary is so important right now. And man, 2020 is like kicked the human race in the behind. So we talk about why it's important now to have dreams, to protect those dreams and to follow through on them. And I asked both him and Giovanni, so it was sort of a, the three of us talking, uh, really talking about, you know, does everyone have a big dream? Like if you don't know what your dream is right now, like how do you get closer to what that is and talked about a vast variety of experiences. Both Nick and Giovanni share why they have, what are some of the bonuses that they have had in terms of staying true to the dream and never giving up on it and how this has weaved into the story of how this documentary has uh, come to life. And I wanted to share this with you, my Bettys, because like, uh, like Giovanni and Nick, I think that we all are born with incredible talents. I think we are all, you know, just the fact that you're here, you know, in my opinion, means that you've won the lottery, right? There's, um, that you're here is, is a special event and that we all have dreams. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Nick Nanton and Giovanni Marcico. I am a huge fan of the Bio Optimizers Magnesium Breakthrough. It has seven forms of magnesium, which is going to help to transform your stress and your performance and your recovery and your sleep to the next level. I'm often asked like, well, what are the types of magnesium we should be looking for? So there's magnesium chelate and citrate and bisglycinate and malate, sucrosomial, taurate and orate. 
meditate. They have various effects on the body. Bisglycinate, probably the most bioavailable and most absorbable. Malate, it's found naturally in fruits, helps with migraines, chronic pain has been shown to help improve depression. Magnesium citrate uh, helps with arterial stiffness. It helps with maintaining a healthy weight. Magnesium chelate is important for muscle building, recovery and health. The list goes on and on. You're basically getting them all in one supplement. Each supplement itself is 500 milligrams of magnesium, which I feel is such a great dosage as a great baseline for most women. I have found a beautiful medium of actually cycling my magnesium. So I actually will take one or two of these. So I'm either getting 500 milligrams or up to a gram of magnesium, depending on where I am in my cycle. So head on over to biooptimizers.com forward slash better and use code better for 10% off of any order, but make sure that the magnesium breakthrough is in your cart. Don't be fooled by the frigid temperatures. Keeping hydrated in the wintertime is super important. In colder temperatures, we sweat more due to a higher metabolic demand of trying to maintain a core body temperature. We lose more fluids and electrolytes through our urine. We lose more water through respiration and just general breathing. And our skin dries out in the wintertime as well. We are a ski family, and over this winter, we have been using Elementee's Chocolate Medley. The chocolate chai is absolutely incredible with some boiling water, a splash of milk. And my kids love the chocolate mint with some hot water. This is our apres ski. We cozy up with Element Hot After Hours on our cross-country trails. Now, for a limited time, you too can get the Element Tea Chocolate Medley and enjoy them hot as I have been doing with this exclusive insider bundle for you. When you buy three boxes of any flavor, it doesn't have to be the chocolate, it can be any of the flavors that they offer, you are going to get the fourth box free. If you head over to drinkelement.com forward slash Dr. Estima, you'll see that exclusive offer at the bottom of the page. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A. And tell me which of the chocolate melody you love the best. Welcome both of you to the show. I'm so happy to be doing this with you today. Awesome to be here, man. Thanks for having me. So we, I wanted you both on because there is a big documentary that you both produced together called The Dreamer Documentary, and I've had the pleasure of watching it and crying along with it, and I wanted both of you on here to talk about it, but just before, just before we get into that, I would love, Nick, I've known you for a couple of years now, but just to, so the listeners get a sense of who you are and uh, and what you do. Let's talk a little bit about your foray into storytelling and becoming um, an Emmy Award director. What is wh- when did you when did you first know that you were going to be a filmmaker or someone who loved to tell stories? So I tell you the truth because um, I always tell the truth, but it, 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 I guess that's more dramatic to say it that way. Uh, <laughs> I made my first film in 2010, and I literally was going through. Um, my business and my life. And I, I've been a songwriter forever. Right. And so I still have a publishing deal in Nashville. I write a lot of country music. I'm actually after 20, I've been writing since I was 15. I'm 40 now. So after 25 years um, of on and off, of course, cause I've been building a life, building a family, all those things. I had to take breaks, uh, finally hitting some success here, which is interesting. Uh, have some big, big songs getting cut right now. And so, you know, I was a songwriter, but I, and music is probably the hardest business I've ever been involved in. It is, it, I, I would say, 
now that I know what I know, I think I could probably go back if I did it full time and probably have more success. But it was like the thing that like the every time I would chip through a wall, there was just another wall. And it and it just seemed like the hardest business ever. And so I literally was on a plane one day. I'm like, and I, I'd been a Grammy voter for years. I mean, I'd, I'd done professionally uh, entertainment. I went to law school just so I could know more about being the president of a record label. That's what I thought I wanted to do. And then Napster happened when I was in law school and that all went to hell. But, um, <laughs> and I also now I know I'm fundamentally unemployable. So I probably couldn't be the president of a major record label anyway. And so, so I was looking at my career. I'm like, you know, I have, I'm doing this and this, like, I'm probably not going to win a Grammy. Just, I would love to, it's on, it's number one on my life list. So let, we'll go back to that. I, it's on my list. Um, I, I'm Tony's and Oscars. I hadn't, I now I've produced a sold out Broadway show. We didn't want a Tony, but Tony's were nowhere in the vision. Oscar. Pff, I was like, I wonder if I could win an Emmy. I literally had this thought. I'm like, I wonder if I can win an Emmy. So I Googled how to win an Emmy and I followed the <laughs> And I won, I got two Emmy nominations for my first film and I won one of them. Now it basically says this, everything is, everyone has great production capacity and capability now. Like, I mean, even back then it wasn't good, but like you could make a great film on your iPhone now if you wanted to. Like we literally had all of our gear confiscated for three days in Dominican Republic, except for one camera. And we all had iPhones. We shot 90% of the movie on iPhones and my guys have software they put on the iPhone that makes it look different and you literally almost wouldn't know. So it's sort of crazy. And this was like four or five years ago before we had the crazy, you know, iPhone 11 pro and all that. So, uh, so everyone has the, the technical prowess or the, uh, they have the equipment on hand. Now you have to find a great story is really what it said. And then you got to be like, I know from doing other things in the past, sometimes you enter, I don't know, a competition and you, you just lose because you entered the wrong category because you just didn't know what category you're supposed to enter in. Mm -hmm. And so I, I made sure I like had that stuff nailed down, but I found an amazing story about a little boy who had uh, down syndrome and played T-ball and his mom wrote this amazing story. And they're from Floyd's knobs, Indiana, which I didn't know where that was either. And so I knew no one was ever really going to see the story. So I, I had a mastermind. Uh, the day before the Grammys and I had a bunch of big name people, you'd know, uh, not because they even liked me that much because they all want to go to the Grammys. And so I said, Hey, I want to tell this story. I took my time for the mastermind. I read the story. Everyone's crying. And I said, uh, if you guys will throw in some money, it's not an investment. Cause I don't know how this all works. And I'm glad I, I still don't take investments. Cause I still don't know how it all works. Um, I only let people contribute and they, and I got a number of people out of the room that day that did. I went to all the stories, a seven minute short, two Emmy nominations, one Emmy. And I was just absolutely hooked on, I think it's this. I'm absolutely hooked on the relationship that I get to have with the people I interview. Mm -hmm. I think that's honestly it. I crave intimate, deep relationships. Like when I get on an airplane now, I used to talk to everybody. I like put a sleep mask on ear earphones and go to sleep. Like for the moment I had an airplane, because if we can't have a deep, intimate conversation, I'm not really interested. And so whenever I go to do a documentary interview, people are like, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> and so they open right up. And so it's probably a longer answer than you wanted, but there's my answer. Well, I remember uh, we were at uh, Giovanni's Mastermind and you had shared a clip of you interviewing um, Larry King. Mm -hmm. And he was telling this really belabored story. And I won't go into the details, uh, but it was something that he had never shared publicly before. And you think Larry King, like he's the guy that's been, he's interviewed everybody. Probably everybody has wanted to interview him. And here you are getting this exclusive. So there's something magical around that idea of let's go deeper. Let's actually cut through the small talk bullshit because I, I I'm allergic to it. Like I can't do small talk either. Like I get hives and I get a weird tick. So I, I, I get why going deep is really interesting. And that's actually some of the 
one of the things that we do on the show, right? It's like, okay, let's actually get through some of the stuff and let's go deeper. So with, with that, um, I had mentioned before you had done this uh, documentary on human trafficking. Let's just talk about that for a moment, because this is what, you know, when, we, when we're looking on uh, social media now and we're thinking about the news, like this is top front and center still, right? We have sex yeah. trafficking, we have uh, child abduction. Let, let's talk about, um, you know, maybe some interesting stories from that, some learnings that you took from that. And then uh, Giovanni, I promise I have questions for you too, but let's, let's, start, <laughs> let's start with this. <laughs> oh, good. So yeah, uh, human trafficking, I'm now on my fourth trafficking film, which I never would have ever guessed I would do any of it. I actually used to, number one, I never watched documentaries my entire life. I just knew I I don't know. For some reason I thought I could do that. Um, now that I realize there's actually some really good documentaries, but I always saw people like the big directors of do stuff like on genocide. And I was like, Oh, why would you do that? How could you do that? And so I always really avoided the negative topics. I just wasn't interested in spending my life there. So I get a call. Um, it's actually uh, 2017, late October, right? Uh, maybe a couple of days before Halloween, I believe it was, from Russell Brunson. And so those of you who are listening know, who don't know Russell, he founded a company called ClickFunnels. Uh, I met Russell years ago through Dan Kennedy events, and he and I happened to sit next to each other at uh, one of Joe Polish's Genius Network events. And uh, Joe was premiering my film on Peter Diamandis. And Russell sort of like, hey, man, that was cool. We should talk. I was like, all right. So Russell and I sort of like flirted with talking for two, three years and he's a super busy dude. So I wasn't offended, but so I hadn't heard much from him. He's like, yeah. And I'd, I'd messaged him on Facebook. I was like, yeah, let's connect. And then I just get this call out of nowhere. He's like, Hey man, I was, I was, you know, Russell's super faith-based guy. He's like, I was praying this morning. I'm trying to help this organization. I was thinking about doing some books. I'm like, what's the most thing I do with the most impact. And instantly I, I heard the name, I heard documentary and God, give me your name. And I said, I'm supposed to call you. So I'm here to ask you formally, would you be willing to make a documentary on rescuing children from sex slavery? I'm like, well, okay. I said, um, well, here's the thing. Documentaries, I feel are the easiest thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, there's multiple reasons for that we could dig into, but, and I, and I too am faith-based. We have slightly different faiths, but like, I feel like God gave me a gift and because it's so easy, it's, there's no other explanation for it. I said, and so if I didn't use that gift to rescue children from being raped, I would hope he would strike me down right now. So while it wasn't what I was looking for when I woke up this morning, I will absolutely say yes. Now that's October. Now here's the thing. He goes, all right, well, here's the deal. I'm going to introduce you to this organization, Operation Underground Railroad, Tim Ballard, blah, blah, blah. He's like, but here's the thing. It's October now. I really want to launch this documentary and raise a bunch of money for them. I don't know the exact date, but it's like late February. So I'm like, so like in November, January, November, December, January. Okay, so I basically got four months to do this fully with editing and everything. And just for just for context, what would be an ideal length of time if you're going to shoot a documentary to post-production to releasing it? I think nine to 12 months is reasonable. I mean, that's what I think is, is reasonable. So, um, but hey, we can work under pressure. So I said, let's, let's make it happen. Let's figure it out. So I start interviewing Tim. And so I know Tim's from Utah. So I got to go to Utah. And I start learning the story of how he started Operation Underground Railroad. One of it, part of it is based on a little boy named Gardy who was abducted in Haiti. And so I said, well, I, I've been to the DR a bunch of times and filmed, uh, but I haven't been to Haiti because they all said, we can get you in. We're just not sure we can get you out. I was like, can you get me out? And he's like, yeah, I promise we can get you out. So we go to Haiti or so I scheduled to go to Haiti to this interview. And then like a few days 
like a week before, I guess. He calls. He's like, Nick, I got great news. I'm like, what's that? He's like, we're going to do a raid. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> he's like, well, we did this whole thing. We arrested a bunch of people, but the corrupt government let him, uh, corrupt judges let him out. We put pressure on the president. The president got the judges out. We got new judges and we got a new attorney general who's dedicated to stuff. So we've been given w- warrants to go back in and snatch these guys out of their beds in the middle of the night. I'm like, uh, sounds great. And so we went to Haiti. Um, we end up doing this, doing recon one night, doing, and I'm with all these ex Navy SEALs. And this is crazy. And so, and we end up executing this raid, rescuing these girls. Uh, and uh, it actually happened to be on the eighth anniversary of the Haitian earthquake. And two of the girls we rescued um, were abducted that night. They were taken in by a lady that her, their parents died in the earthquake. And she said, I'll take care of you. And she put them into a life of trafficking. So that movie, that experience, of course, changed my life. Um, then Tim Ballard says, so we, we put out the movie. We get it done in time, by the way. Um, I didn't let either of them see it beforehand. That's one of my rules. I don't typically let people see the movie until the, especially if it's about them, until the audience sees it because they're way less self-conscious when they see the audiences like laughing with them, not at them and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we do it that night, not a dry eye in the house. Tim's just losing it. Um, so is Russell. You can, there's clips of it. Uh, and Russell raises a million bucks that night. And so Tim's like, hey, man, we we did this other these other three raids. And by the way, I called my wife. So we do the raid. They go, OK, now everyone get out of the country. We're like, what do you mean? They're like, well, we don't know what happens next. We're like, OK, so we're all fighting for flights out of Haiti, which aren't that many. So I call my wife early the next morning. I'm like, hey, I'm going to be home today. She's like, I thought you were coming home until tomorrow. I'm like, yeah, yeah, they told us to get out of the country. She's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, we sort of did this thing last night. Remember when you were telling me, good night, I love you. I was buckling on a bulletproof vest and she's like you did what i was like well you slept well right and she's like yeah i'm like you're welcome i didn't go over that well and so <laughs> so tim's like hey we covered this the largest human trafficking raid in history in columbia three cities 126 children i believe was at the same time in three different raids we have the raid footage would you make the film so i went down to columbia filmed in medellin and cartagena and, went to, and we made a second film that we premiered at russell's event the next year it's not out yet actually it's called triple take raised another million dollars then Here's what happened to me, and this is, I think, the most important part. Tim has another organization that rescues religious minorities and women and children from being uh, sex trafficked by ISIS in the Middle East, and we just were filming in Iraq in February, and we're doing that. People at, like, church and my kids' school and friends are like, hey, what are you working on? I tell them, like, oh, it's so sad that's happening in all these poor countries. And what I had learned from working with them, like every day Tim was doing a raid around the world, they were doing multiple here in the United States. And so I started to learn what trafficking really is and looks like here. And so I found myself saying so many times, you don't understand it's happening right here. And so I'm making a film right now. It's almost done called It's Happening Right Here. It's all about trafficking in America. And most of it happens digitally. And and we could go later or anytime into it. But just, just know that when you give your child a cell phone and iPad or access to a computer, you're giving them access to the world. And that's a great thing. But anywhere two or more are gathered, there shall be abuse and trafficking. And so people really have to understand what to look for. Kids who have been groomed, people who have been groomed to be trafficked um, don't even realize that they've been so psychologically messed with. For instance, I have a nine-year-old daughter. She goes and spends the night out at some friend's house. I know some people are like, I will never let my child sleep outside of my house. Not what I, 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 don't, I don't want my children to be afraid of the world, but I do need them to be prepared. Because here's the thing, not every kid's going to get abused. Not every, I mean, way more than should. But like, this isn't going to, this isn't going to happen to everybody. And the, just like the old stranger danger thing, they, they decided years later, that was a bad idea. Like most strangers are pretty good people. Like they could probably help you. Um, that is like research that sort of ruined a generation basically. But so, but, but we have to prepare them. So I, I said to her, Hey, honey, if, if you ever feel like something strange or if anyone ever tells you to keep a secret from me, 
we should, you don't have to do that. You know, and if you ever feel uncomfortable, you can always say, Hey, I'm uncomfortable. I want you. So you have to start opening this door for a dialogue because at the end of the day, here's what happens. Most people who are abused or trafficked, it's by someone close to them, a family member or a loved one. That's what happens all the time. Um, secondarily, as it goes on later in life, and, and I'll shut up about it, but it's super important. Like every teenager has a phone, right? They do. And so just think of it this way. And, and it happens a ton to girls, but it happens to boys too. Let me, so I'll give you a boy example so you really get it. So if I'm a 17-year-old boy and, I get, and I'm, let's say I'm having a bad day and I, I tweet about it, post on Instagram, oh, I'm, my girlfriend broke up with me, whatever, I got dumped from the team, whatever it is, right? I'm having, I'm having a terrible day. I get this DM from this really attractive girl, maybe about my age, maybe a little older, maybe a little younger. Like, oh my gosh, you're so handsome. What are you down about? Oh man. And so, and starts to create a relationship because taking advantage of a vulnerability I've shared. And so it may take an hour, may take a day, may take a week, it may take a month, but eventually said girl engages me in sexual messages and says, Hey, and eventually maybe I get one with her covering her breasts with nothing. I'm like, Hey, I'll send you the full thing. If you, and eventually it's like the cat and mouse game of like, I'll send you a full nude. If you send me one. And then you, then the 17 year old boy, who can't think straight because this is all happening. Like, Oh my gosh, she's hot. And she likes me. And you know, all these things, right. Sends a, a naked picture or a video or whatever. And then it, then they get introduced to the fact that this was not a 17 year old girl, you know, from LA, it's a 57 year old man from Iowa. And, and he says, here's what you're going to do for me. Now you're going to go on zoom. I'm going to sell live streams to you masturbating. I'm going to do this. You're going to send me pictures. You're gonna... And, and the, the big problem is this, the kids are kids. They're going to make mistakes. Like they're going to, right. This, this is what happens on the other side of the phone. Like a lot of parents like, Oh, my kid's good. We talk on the other side of the phone. These people are professionals. They literally have a sickness and they fish and fish and fish and fish and fish all day long, 24 seven, especially during the pandemic. Everyone's on their computer. If you saw their cell phones, they would like wear out a cell phone screen. They text so much. So thousands of messages a day. You can't even believe this is humanly possible. And they trap, they, they catch people. And so the biggest conversation I have with my kids is, look, first of all, don't send pictures of junk to anybody. Number one, that's rule number one. Cause then you also get jealous girlfriends, boyfriends, breakups, and they have pictures and there's, that's a whole other deal of, of extortion and blackmail. But in this case, I say, when you make a mistake, come talk to me. I know it's to be embarrassing conversation, but if you have one embarrassing conversation with me, I will save you from millions of eyeballs worth of embarrassment and millions, you know, and perhaps hundreds or thousands of acts you didn't want to expose yourself to. And so that's the conversation that has to be had. And starting at nine or starting at five, starting at whatever age to let children, to teach them to start thinking if something doesn't seem right. A lot of pedophiles will ask little kids like on, on, on like Roblox and stuff. Oh, send a picture. Just, you know, your brother running around with his pants off. It's funny. And like, they'll think it's another seven-year-old or whatever, because kids don't process that way. So it's all about opening a conversation to understand how exploitation happens, where it's happening. And I've, I've got 50 other examples, sadly, but it's happening on Instagram, Facebook, Roblox, Fortnite. We just did a case with a seven-year-old boy on a Tonka truck game that just happened to have a chat. And so it's, you know, it used to be movie theaters and shopping malls. That's where people used to gather. Now they gather online. And so it's all about not, um, 
it's all about not sensationalizing it, but also not sanitizing it. And it's also not about, um, you can't put your kids in rubber bubbles forever. It's about teaching your children how to think and how to, and how to engage with you so that, or, or, or an adult they trust. It, it may not, and many times, especially as a teenager, it may not be the parent they go to, but you have to teach your children and those, and your loved ones, you know, how to recognize these things and how to speak up when something doesn't seem right. So that's my long diatribe about that. Wow, that is so useful and so incredible. What are the name? What is the names of the? I'm going to put these in the show notes. What are the names of the the documentaries that you? Yeah, so Operation To Saint T O U S S A I N T because there's a a guy who led a slave revolt in Haiti. That was the first one that's out on Amazon Prime right now. Um, actually, I've had a half a million views on it in the last four weeks because Tim Ballard did a viral video that went super viral after all the Wayfair sort of conspiracy stuff came out. Yeah. Um, and then the second one is called Triple Take. It's it's not out yet. It um, it's actually tied to a feature film uh, starring Jim Caviezel playing Tim Ballard that's not out yet. And so the real story. Yeah, it's the real, and Mira Sorvino plays his wife. It's the real story of the movie. And so we're working through the details of releasing them both together. Um, The third one is called Nazarene. Uh, That's the working title of it. And that's the one of rescuing women and children in the Middle East. We're also still in production. We're supposed to be in Australia this week filming. Um, We we filmed a year ago a girl who her mother thought was dead. She'd been kidnapped by ISIS. And the team that Tim works with extracted her and told her mother she was alive. And we filmed taking her to meet her mother again for the first time in years in Australia. And so we were going to go back and do um, how a lot of the refugees in Australia were, uh, they're mostly Syrian refugees that were coming through Iraq or that we got and uh, how they were adapting to life. And so, but now there's like, you know, 14 days in Australia in a hotel room before you can do anything. And I don't have time to do that. So I, I'm trying to figure out how to finish the movie. Cause that's all we need. And then it's happening right here is the fourth one. Um, and that one, that one will likely see the light of day before the other two that I made in the middle. Uh, and that'll, that'll be out, I believe by the end of this year, if not early next year, cause that's the one I don't care how we get it out. And we actually put Operation Two Saint on YouTube a few weeks ago too, because people all around the world were like, "How do I watch this? How do I watch this?" And I told Tim, I was like, "You want the fastest, easiest way the entire world can see it?" He's like, "Yes." I was like, "YouTube." He said, "Done." So we've had, I believe, one hundred and fifty thousand views in two to three weeks on that as well. Um, so it's, uh, I'm glad people are seeing it, but it's happening right here. It needs to be seen because it's a whole different conversation. People just don't know they're supposed to be having. Yeah. And I think that that's so important because I think that we often think that it's like in some poor country in Africa somewhere where, you know, people just don't have the means or the economic or the social network or the the netting to really protect the kids. But if it's you know happening in your downtrodden neighborhood too, oh, that happens to poor kids who are kids whose parents are drug addicts or whatever, which it does like vulnerability is where they pray. That's it. Vulnerability. A little kid vulnerable because they don't know any better. You know, Oh, your daddy sent you over here for this. You don't need to talk to him about it. He actually doesn't, he might get mad if you tell him about it, but this is why he sent you. I mean, like my, a little seven-year-old wouldn't know the difference. Oh, I'm not supposed to say anything. My dad's gonna be mad at me. Oh, and my dad sent me here. This is why I'm here. Like there's this vulnerabilities. And then second of all, it's, it's all about, um, there's so many cases of gated neighborhoods, white collar parents, and they have a kid who they seem like they have everything, but the kid's like despondent and maybe suicidal. And the parents are like, I, this kid has everything. How could this kid possibly, what an ungrateful child. And it's because they don't know how to, the kid doesn't know how to tell their parents mm-hmm. that they're, they're, you know, that, that their ex-boyfriend is selling them to his friends so that he won't post naked pictures and videos of her online or whatever it might be. And right. so 
it's just once you hear it, you know, I, we just wrote a song for the movie. Actually, I wrote some saints on it, Grammy nominated people and stuff. And, and when there's a line in the song, it's, once you turn the light on, you can't just turn it out. And that's the thing. Right. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. But in, in, when no one explains it to you, you literally think there's guys driving around in white vans going to snatch your kids. Now, does that still happen? A little bit. But it, think about it from the mind of a criminal. That's like a lot of effort, a lot of money, a lot of risk. When I could just sit behind a keyboard and, with a VPN and I can just try to lure people in all day long. Wow. Okay. So we will have all those details. And I think that this is a really, really important conversation uh, for us to be having. Why was, and I want to shift gears a little bit here to understand, and this is uh, for Giovanni and you, why was Dreamer, the documentary, a story worth telling? Why was this something, I mean, you've done, you know, as you just described, some incredibly important and meaningful work that I hope will move the dial for humanity. Why is Dreamer something that you wanted to work on as well well it was geo's idea so i'll let him i'll let him in a second tell us where he came up with the great idea uh for me i just i knew a a huge idea like that there's so much you can do with it and so sort of my underlying goal for why when i really look back sort of and do the most of my interviews feel like uh I feel like therapy anyway right like this does too so you know it's like when you're going through it you sort of start figuring out why you're doing what you're doing. Like you're doing things before you even know why. Right. To me, I was, um, as an immigrant kid, you know, born in Barbados, um, family moved to America when I was one, uh, family had ups and downs like everybody else, but sort of left everything behind it to, to help my brother and I have more opportunity. And I have, I had grew up with more love than I could spend. And still do. My parents come to every single soccer game, every dance, every they're all the time. They're awesome. But you know, money was short. And so there are many things in life. Like when I was a musician, I started playing guitar at six and started songwriting at, uh, at 16. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't have a seat at the table to ask questions to the people I needed to learn more from. And at that time, I mean, there's like prodigy was like the dial up service. There was not the internet. There was not all that stuff. So you go to the books and libraries, but, you, but like I needed mentors and, and I, I didn't ha- my parents didn't have anyone in their immediate circle. That was like near the music business. We lived in Orlando, Florida. And so what I, what I think the reason why I know now looking back that I'm making these documentaries is <clears throat> Kids, kids are a big part of it, but adults too. But I think I focus like I'm trying to create a library that will that will educate and inspire the next generation to lead. And so, if I can share Peter's story of how he Peter Diamandis, you know, offered a ten million dollar prize to put spaceships up and it actually happened. And by the way, he didn't have the money when he offered the prize. Like, okay, if I can like, and how did he do it? And what was he thinking? And how scared was he? And what was the road like? And how is he about to run out of money? All that, like, if I can share the journey of these people, I know it will help anyone on a moment that's down and out go, okay, I can pick myself up. I can do it too. It's so funny when I do interviews like this, like you'll have someone just throw off a comment like, well, yeah, for three years I was depressed and couldn't get out of bed. But, and and then it's like literally like a seven, five to seven seconds of, of speech. If you stop and unpack that, there's like almost a thousand days. Uh, I'm not good at math, over a thousand days. Uh, there's over a thousand days that that person like couldn't get out of bed. Like, and we just, we just covered in seven seconds. Like, let's dig in there for a second. And so my goal is to lead, educate and inspire through media. And I've realized my moment of clarity, my biggest one during this pandemic is that I was put on this earth to share great, you know, to share inspiring messages that shift, you know, 
hopefully action as well as thought. And the only way I'm going to be successful by doing that is taking every message I think is super important and making it entertainment. And if I can make it entertainment, I can sneak those messages in uh, to the people who need them. And so my, my goal in film, my dreamer would be that we could sneak this into every elementary school, middle school, and high school, so that the message is that not their fault. Teachers are typically not entrepreneurs or not entrepreneurial. They don't, they don't know how to help a kid like me or G or you in school. Like we, we don't fit the mold and there's so many of them out there. And so why don't we just give them a tool where kids like us could say, Oh, that's awesome. Oh man. Finally, somebody thinks I'm not broken. Somebody thinks like me. It's okay to be different. It's okay. I was so, I did not fit in anywhere. And I went through life thinking like there's something wrong with me. Yes. Uh, Every sword cuts both ways. The stronger your gifts, uh, the more out of place you feel. And it's, so those sorts of messages and then sharing, you know, Lisa Nichols story. And I mean, it's just, it's just, I mean, it just was an honor and a pleasure. It just had to be done. Um, but Gio, you can say we came up with a great idea. I just made it a documentary. Well, you, you, Nick, you approached me um, a few years ago and we've been friends since I think 2012 or 2013. Yeah. Um, so I already like you and you're awesome. Uh, and you had just made the Russell's film or the film on sex trafficking and, and raised the million dollars. And you said, listen, that worked because he has an epic community. Uh, and you, you talking to me, you, Giovanni with Archangel have an uh, awesome community as well. Would you want to do a similar kind of project? And I don't know if you even knew that it was like my childhood dream to produce a movie. Um, and the fact that you made that invitation. And I think what I said at the time was, I would love to accept everything that we do is motivational, inspirational, and positive. So if we do something together, it has, it, it can't be dramatic or negative, which I, I get that works, but. I want it to be um, life-changing for people in a positive way. Uh, and the, the theme, and the other thing I said was I didn't want it to be about me. Because I, I know you sometimes make films about like, like, like biography style, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't want it to be about me. So I thought, okay, well, the, the, the element that I loved was the fact that we, you and I, and the three of us are around really incredible humans that often it feels like their stories are science fiction uh, because of what they're up to. And yet it's, it's, it's people who dream on a whole new level who've inspired me to dream bigger. And it's that environment that has allowed me to build everything I've done. And I think it's the same with you. It's like, it's, it's our relationships and our network and, and community that propels us forward. And there are millions of people who don't have access to these stories and to this wisdom. And I thought, what if, we find, and, and by the way, I, like I was bullied and, and this part is in the film. Like I was bullied in school. I never fit in. Um, and just like the three of us, we were, we're different. I, I was thought, bullied too. I was yeah, bullied right? so much. Yeah. Mm. We, and, but it, it's in standing out. It's in the difference that makes us all special and unique. And I think we're always taught to fit in. And what mm-hmm. my, my dream is to help everybody see this. But after the, after the first cut, um, like when the film was done and, and I saw it, I thought, Oh my, kids need to see this and students need to see this people who struggled or who have that anxiety like I did when I was in university need to see this uh, and uh, when, when I also saw it I, I like Nick I know you're awesome but I never expected to be this good like 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 to the point where I cried five times the, the first time I saw the film and I, I was there watching you film it <laughs> uh, and we, we did a, a global premiere last month to let people watch it for free for a week I think a hundred thousand people saw it and the, we were flooded with thousands of emails of people saying, this, this movie changed my life. 
and this is just the beginning. Like it, it, we're we're going to release it in the fall, and people can watch a free screening now. But that's uh, the most joyous thing for me is that uh, what I think we've created uh, is a real life superhero movie, like telling the stories of people who are are using their gifts and using their um, uh, their wisdom to to create something that helps a lot of people as a way to inspire the next generation of dreamers to realize you can dream bigger and here's what's possible. And we are your network now. We are your family. We are your community. And we can support you to dream bigger because usually, and this is what I've discovered by being around a lot of people like us, um, people either stop dreaming or, or, or dim their light because they're so afraid of what people are going to think or say about them. So they, they, that fear prevents them from moving forward. And it's in community like ours where the dreams can not only flourish, but they can actually come true. That's what I think everybody needs too, right? We all need to have a space where we feel, you know, heard and seen and it's safe, right? It's safe for us to say, these are some of the challenges that I'm having with pursuing my dream. And I would, and I would argue that there's why so many people actually end up giving up on their dreams is because they don't like, you can't do it yourself ever. You know, I think it was Arnold Schwarzenegger and I'm going to, I'm going to completely bastardize the quote, but he had said something like, so would he. <laughs> like I stand on the shoulders of giants, right? And it's, 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 that's what, that's how greatness emerges is through community. It's like, you know, you're not self-made, you're community made. And that's why I think what both of you are doing are, um, are so important. I am incredibly bullish on sauna as a therapy for recovery, heart health, and overall aging well. I personally decided on an infrared sauna from Sunlighten because of the range of far wavelengths and near infrared wavelengths that it offers. Saunas help with detoxification and rejuvenation to rid your body of toxins. It helps with heart health by improving circulation, reducing blood pressure, and helping keep the arteries supple. It helps with muscle recovery by easing the tension and soreness to recover faster. And of course, stress reduction with the warmth and the relaxation of sitting in a sauna it's crucial for hormonal balance and achieving a state of well-being necessary for a strong physique and a strong mind. If you visit sunlighten.com slash better and use code better to get a discount. That is sunlighten, S-U-N-L-I-G-H-T-E-N.com slash B-E-T-T-E-R and use code better at checkout. So let's, let's talk about some of the stories inside of Dreamer because there was, and I, and I will say without spoiling it, there was, there was so many people in our, in the Archangel community that were in this film. Um, but I want to, I want to highlight a few of them, uh, Anusha Ansari. So she is the first female private citizen to fly into space. And we can tie this in with Peter Diamandis because it was part, uh, I think was part of the X prize. Why is that such a significant story to tell or to share with people. Well, so, and I'll take one step back from the truth from once Geo said dreamer and we started getting the idea. I'm like, oh man, I was like, you know who we could have? We could have, we could have Peter and we could, oh, we could have a new, and so like it started, it just came together so easily because I just started thinking like Dean came, like who are the biggest dreamers I've ever met who, 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 I am completely blown away by. Now, Anusha is awesome because she's just, number one, she's like the nicest person ever, right? And so, you know, I met Anusha at a private event for the X Prize at one point when I was filming Peter's documentary, and we got to talking, and something came up. The next morning, um, 
I walked outside and she was about to go on a run. I was about to go on a run. So we ran together. So I'm like, I'm like running with this person who's been to space. This is crazy. And like, <laughs> the nicest person ever. And I'd been after her to tell her story for years. And, and like most people, because biographies are the hard thing. And I've got a secret to that now, by the way, I can share. Um, biographies are, are a hard thing because most people, like Richard Branson's like, I would love you to do my documentary, but I, I thought they would do that when I was gone like that's one of the things like people are like i'm not done yet i don't want to be i don't want to be egotistical i don't and, and i never make a doctor. don't give me the lifetime achievement award while i'm still here kind of exactly thing, right? and, yeah, yeah. and i don't ever make egotistical documentaries but people don't understand really when they they're very self-conscious about it and so i've been after her for years i'm like i gotta share your story she's an iranian like woman who's the first private female space explorer. And yes, she got there because she is so super successful. She did sponsor the X prize, the Ansari X prize. And the way that got funded $10 million prize, um, they ended up buying um, $10 million worth of hole in one golf tournament insurance to insure the spaceship. So it's, it's a space insurance policy. They wow. Bought. That's good. Uh, and her husband ended up uh, paying the balance of the insurance policy that Peter, you know, had paid like monthly payments for a while and was like struggling to get them. Then Anusha paid off the rest and uh, her and her husband. And so, but then Peter introduced her to a business partner of his who Peter, and I don't know the, I don't want to tell the story incorrectly. So I may not be 100% factual here, but it's something like this. Peter and his buddy negotiated with the Russians to buy the third seat on the Soyuz. They're like, Hey, would you like to get some money for your space program? They're like, yes. And so they, so they end up negotiating for that. And so Anusha was asked if she would like to be like an, a, basically an alternate. Uh, and she would go to Russia and learn Russian and train and everything. And she's like, it'd be one step closer to space. So sure. Why not? And uh, one of the cosmonauts or the other person, whatever, end up not being able to go like a week or two ahead of time. So sort of like you're in. And so she went to space. And so, but just like her, her, she, she, in her Ted talk, she has a picture and we have it in the movie. She has a, a picture of a spaceship. She drew his little girl. And it's like, they're like, what's that? It's like, that's my spaceship. And they're like, what? That's going to take me to space. And like that, that was her dream from a, a child. And she probably didn't realize why she was building these businesses. She's building these super successful businesses. And her mission was to go to space. And she did. And now, She's actually the CEO of the XPRIZE, which is a totally cool sort of uh, thing that came full circle. And uh, yeah, her story, it's just a story you have to hear. And I love the fact that, you know, she's Iranian, which I mean, most, she lives in America. Most Americans don't have super positive thoughts towards Iranian, like the country yeah. of Iran. It's yeah. not that they even know any Iranians really, right? But like, they don't have like, a, there's just always been that turmoil. So she's an Iranian female who built a technology business and went to space. I want that story because it makes everybody who's, I mean, from me onto the most diverse people on earth, like I'm a wasp, right? And a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. I get all the privilege. I get all the things that I don't deserve. But like when you show her story, then everyone's like, oh, I have no excuses now. And so like, that's one of the, that's one of the stories that I, we just had to tell. I love, I loved her story. And the other one that I wanted to highlight in our conversation was Jessica Cox as well. So she, uh, in the film, uh, gets her license flying a plane with her feet because she was 
born, uh, it was, she was born without arms. Is that, was it a, a congenital deficit or she lost them when she was younger? I'm fairly certain it was a congenital def, uh, deficit there yeah. and, and uh, deformity. And so, yeah. And the, for the coolest thing about that, that just sort of happened. So I had another client. So like, Hey, I want to make a film about this girl. And I, I want to make a film really that inspires more kids to become pilots because um, there's a whole shortage of pilots right now. And there's not really, there's, there's not a lot of kids who dream of flying anymore um, for whatever reason, or at least they go through the education and start flying. And he's like, and so I want to show people it's possible for anyone. I want to inspire people. And so we started working on this film and um, you know, as we're going through the process, I was like, Hey, um, I got another idea. <laughs> like I have this other film that I think is a bigger subject matter that we could, we could fool a bunch more people into watching this and being inspired to be pilots. He's like, Oh, you're right. And so, so I, I called Jessica and said, Hey, would you be willing to be in this film? And uh, she's like, absolutely. And yeah, she's got an amazing story. I mean, talk about resilience. And I mean, I think what, what all of these stories have in common is uh, certainly recognizing that everyone has adversity. It's just different adversities, right? So if you are born with a silver spoon and today we're out of your favorite cereal, that's, it feels like adversity, right? Because like, it's not what I want to happen. It's like, things aren't going right for me. If you are born in the street and you normally pick out of the dumpster every day, but the dumpster got emptied earlier today, that's your hardship, right? And those are two totally different things, by the way, but this is just the way the brain works. So the thing to me that unites all these people is mindset is, is the secret and how, and, and, and believing in yourself that you can do it. And, and of course, every single one of these stories uh, has the element of gathering a community around them to help them accomplish it, which is what you said earlier. We, you know, we, I hadn't heard it that way. We're not self-made, we're community-made. I've always hated the self-made thing because yeah, you didn't make yourself. You, I mean, there's so many factors and people who, whether you knew it or not, shaped your life, whether they told or not what they were doing behind the scenes to try to help you get where you are. And so, yeah. And so I, I thought that, there's just so many messages in this film that like, if I, so I get asked all the time, I'm sure you guys do too, by friends. They're like, Hey, would you talk to my son or my nephew? Like they, they seem to be entrepreneurial or they want to do this, whatever. And so I started creating a library of films so I could say, I would love to speak with them, have them watch this, 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 and this, and then we'll have a context to speak from. And it's like, uh, so like it's sort of selfishly, I did, I did it for that, that reason as well. I love that. Giovanni, there's a question for you. What were some of the things, I mean, you watched most of these interviews happen. You went down to Dean Kamen's house. You were there when Anusha Ansari was being interviewed. Lisa Nichols, we watched uh, at the Archangel Summit. What were some of the things that you noticed? Because you're a pattern guy, right? Like I know you, you see patterns. So what were some of the things that you discovered or patterns that started to come about from people in the film about pursuing their dreams and then overcoming those obstacles? Was there a common, I mean, like, you know, like Nick was saying, there's going to be, you're either out of your, you know, you know, favorite cereal or the dumpster is, you know, whatever, or there's systemic, you know, there's something systemic that's preventing you from, uh, from pursuing your dreams or being able to have the same, um, equivalencies that someone else might have. What were some of the things that you noticed in terms of patterns between the people that were interviewed? I think, uh, the first one was it's never supposed to be easy. There's always resistance. There's always some factor of, of getting out of your comfort zone, uh, doing a thing uh, where y- y- there's an element of courage and doing a thing um, that's also outside of you, meaning 
I think they all had a bigger mission or a calling that pulled them and projected them forward, especially when it was about other people. And I, I think it wasn't necessarily selfish. It was more about, um, I, I, I'm here and I have this calling and I feel a responsibility to go in this direction. Like there's, there's that element. And then the, um, it's almost like working out a muscle. Like I know you talk about, um, health and physiology a lot. There has to be that, uh, you have to break it down first. There has to be that, that force against you. And you it's got to squat it's, before you jump. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And, and there's, um, there, there's a, a hero's journey sort of element to all of the stories where maybe even they were reluctant at first, uh, but they felt so called that they had their own sort of personal transformation. And I, I bet if you speak to any of them, uh, because I think we, we look at any, like the people in this movie and think, oh, wow, they, they've, they've got it all figured out and they're successful and they have this and they have that. I'm not like them. Until you realize, no, you're exactly like them. They're just further down the path. And I think it's, it's that we're, we're all in the same kind of path where um, we, we fight the, the mindset issues, the limiting beliefs, the voice in your head that tells you you're, you're dumb or stupid or, or not good enough or whatever it is. It, it appears everywhere. We all have it. And I think the beautiful thing is understanding that, that, that there is no real difference. Like there's no pedestal. There's no, oh, they're way better than me because of X, Y, and Z. It, it, it's not a competition. It's more of we're all um, on our own path. Uh, some people may be further down the path. And the way they got there was help from friends and, and community support and changing how they think about themselves. Uh, where they don't give up and they're persistent and they, they have that uh, uh, resilience as well to, to keep fighting for the thing that they believe in. And it, it was so inspirational to see the patterns, even though they're all completely different people, all different stories. All different walks of life. And even, you know, I'm thinking about Lisa Nichols, who's been on the podcast and she's coming back for round two. I can't wait to have her back on. And, you know, my my question, and this is for either of you, is do does everyone have a big dream? Like, do we all have big dreams? Because you listen to Lisa and you're like, you know what? My first thing was to make sure that my son didn't get into a gang. That was the first dream that I have, or to be able to run home fast enough to make sure that, you know, I didn't get mixed up or I didn't get into any trouble or my son didn't get into any trouble. Do dreams, are we all born with like a big dream or do you think that those evolve with time as the, as the human evolves and as they, and as they overcome the obstacles that they're given? Ooh, that's tough. I, I think we're all born curious. I think, uh, and our brain starts to put things together and realize what dreams are. I do think a lot of people, unfortunately, you know, through just the way the world works, uh, get those dreams sort of beaten out of them or quashed or, Hey, you've really got to, you got to be practical. You got to focus on X instead. Um, and so I, I, but I do think when, uh, the most amazing things I've ever seen is in the poorest places in the world, the most downtrodden, the people who you would think shouldn't like you, you don't know how they could possibly have a dream or have a light in their eyes like that, or have a smile like that, um, are the most amazing people to me because you see just, you just see straight humanity in them. So we're all capable of dreaming big. Um, we have to be surrounded by the right people, even whether it's in real life or virtually through books and other things like that. It's mindset. I mean, when I'm, I'm sitting across from a woman in Iraq in uh, basically in a, a refugee camp interviewing this woman who was kidnapped by ISIS held for six years, had, I think five or six different ISIS generals that were her captor. And she had her two children with her. They had taken 
taken her husband off and he was never seen again. So presumably murdered. And so this woman, like she, the light in her eyes and the hope she had, like, even when I do trafficking stuff, I like that every single one of my movies has hope. And so I feel like if we can give people hope, they can find their dreams again. But when we're a hopeless, um, it's impossible to dream. Dan Sullivan says it in a great way. Like it's impossible to be creative when you're feeling scarcity minded. Like you've got to get to a point of like, of abundant thinking to be creative. And so, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think everyone can dream, but they have to find hope first. Yeah. And like, I, um, sorry, go ahead, Joe. Like, like Maslow's hierarchy, right? The, the dream is to get to the next level. So, so Lisa, for example, her first dream was my kid's not going to get into a gang. He won't be arrested. And, and that brought her to the next milestone. And then it opened up the possibility and the capability to get to the next bigger dream. And it's kind of like, um, like, like a path and a journey with a set of milestones versus going from, uh, I'm going to not, my, my child's not going to go to jail and I'm going to change the entire world, right? There, there, there's, there's levels and steps in between. And I think we all have that capability to, to move on to the next one and to dream outside of your, your current reality or your, your comfort zone. And that, that grows your comfort zone and it grows your confidence and grows your, your, um, opportunity to get to the next place but it's it's there's steps you 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 don't go from zero to 100 you go from zero to 10 to 20 to 30 kind of thing and you sometimes you and i Gio, will talk and and also tell you know like this is what i want to do with the podcast this is what the impact that i want to have on the world i want to help women this way and this way and you'll say okay what dream bigger than that like what's what you know okay you're gonna have a number one podcast okay like what's the what's the bigger thing that you can what's the bigger thing that you can think of how do people get closer to what that big dream is. So we're moving through these obstacles, as you're saying. We're maybe in a community like Archangel where we feel seen, heard, and understood and safe. How do we begin to move closer to what that dream is? I've got answers, but I'll let Gio answer first. Yeah, perfect. I, I think it's, it's starting with the right questions. Um, as an example, um, these are questions I love to ask our community. If and I did this last night at one of our events. If, if we had a time machine and we were able to go to the year 2050, so 30 years from now, and the world is changed for the better in the way that you would want it, what would that change look like, right? And there's, it's questions like this that start to show you the clues and the patterns of what really resonates for you, what's connected to you and your calling, um, your path and your journey. And, and then going backwards to when you were a kid and because I, I believe that we are all born um, perfectly self-expressed, right? And we have kids and we, we see it. There's no filter. There's no, they're not worried about what people are going to think about how they're acting, what they're going to say, or what they do. They give zero Fs. Yeah. And it, it isn't until society and, and <laughs> yeah. their, whatever, the adults around them start telling them to stop doing the things they're doing yeah. because they're standing out and they're being different and they need to fit in, in quotes, which is the worst messaging ever, but it's also that primitive part of our brain that makes us want to fit in because we're afraid that standing out or being different will, you know, feels like death. And I know- It threatens survival, really, if you think about it from an ancestral lens, right? If you fit out, if you're different and the tribe rejects you, right? When we were, when we were tribal, um, it increases your, well, it decreases your survival, like the likelihood of your survival if you're different. Right. So it's, it's reconnecting to those things that made us different in the first place that uh, we were told to stop dreaming. Like for me, the, the phrase was stop dreaming. I, I grew up being a dreamer and, and it, it wasn't until 
five years ago that I realized or had the realization that dreaming is my superpower. It's my gift. It's, it's the thing I do really well that comes easy, just like Nick talking about um, the work that he does. And there's ease in that because it, um, it's connected to, to me and my calling and my gifts. And we all have these things and we all have the uniqueness. And we're always trying to not be unique. We're trying to fit in and be like other people and wear the mask and be uh, liked by other people. Right. But if, if you, if you have, if you take a pause and, and try to reflect on what was it that made me stand out, maybe even uh, the question, what did I used to get in trouble for as a kid? Uh, you know, and even us Talk, as a do- talking, I got in trouble for talking and now I have a podcast. <laughs> yeah. I know, but it happens, and it happens to all of us. I mean, even ha- being conscious of these patterns for us, sometimes our kids will do something that, that like we want to pull our hair out. And then we, I have to realize, oh, wait, I can't tell them to stop. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause we're, we're doing the same thing that happened to us. Mm-hmm. And if for, for the adults, I think the journey becomes trying to reconnect to that, that beautiful self-expression of who we are. And I believe you can build a career around it, a business around it, um, relationships around it. And it's, and, and the truth of it is so much easier than the, the wearing the masks and the lies, which are so freaking heavy and um, draining. What about you, Nick? I, I, yeah, so I, I love all that. That's way more, way smarter than I can be. But I, here's how I look at like, what do I have resources or skills that could help somebody else? And how could I find someone to serve that I can use those resources to serve them? And you'll find a really big purpose because I find the moment. So I've had, I've hosted plenty of masterminds and things over the years. I can't tell you the number of times I've had someone, you know, back when we used to see each other in real real time and real people and give hugs and stuff. It was awesome. But, um, and, uh, I was, the people would stand in the front of my room and be like, well, I'm just not happy and I need to do this and I need it. I've decided I, and, and, and it's, I can hear it in the speech pattern in eight seconds or less. And it's, and I basically will say, um, do you realize that the most, the most prolific word you said was I the entire time. And this is why you're unhappy because you are way too focused on yourself. If you will just take a moment, just a moment and start thinking about somebody else and how you can serve them, how you can help them, everything will change. The moment you start serving someone else, um, it's addictive. And so when you start serving someone else, well, um, there's a lot of other people who show up that need to be served as well. And so I, I find that you can find your biggest dreams by starting with just what's around you. So, um, you know, I was, I interviewed a guy last week on my podcast, uh, a guy named Magnus from Scotland who somehow someone on his team was on my email list and emailed him like, Hey, would you like to interview our founder? I'm like, well, maybe. And I didn't know anything about him. And the guy started a thing called Magnus or started called Mary's meals. He is, he's responsible for feeding 1.6 million children a day, 1.6 million school children a day on school days. And, uh, and we were talking, he like, he saw this thing on TV. He was having a, he was a, he was a salmon farmer, right? This is freaking great. You can't make this up from Scotland. And he's a salmon farmer and he and his brother are sitting in a pub having a pint. Okay. If I was going to write a story about a Scotsman, this is where I would begin, but this is really his story. And he's watching the plight of these people in Bosnia and Herzegovina on TV. And he's like, he literally just thinks maybe I, man, maybe I could do something about that. So he ends up renting an old Land Rover, which is just sexy too. You can just see it in your mind and, and, and putting out like a, 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 
not an email back then, but like an all call or like a newspaper ad or something saying, Hey, I'm going to take supplies and I'm renting this truck. I'm gonna take a week and I'm going to drive supplies there and I'm going to drive back. So he does, he gets a ton of supplies. He drives there, he drives back and there's more than another truck worth of supplies. So he goes again. So he never ends up going back to his job. And now it's branched out. He's, they're feeding 1.6 million people a day in communities. But I, I said, you know, the, the, the thing that sucks the most about your story is that people will start saying, Oh my gosh, I could, they, they start with the end in mind. Like I could never feed 1.6 million children, but yeah. that's your story. He literally was sitting, having a beer with his brother and it's like, maybe I could do something. And so start there. Whenever you, when you see something that you think maybe I could do something, that's where you begin. Don't worry about where it goes. Trust me that that will come to you. The other thing I'll tell you that might make you sick to your stomach, because there's probably something that you've been putting off for years or something that you, uh, if you really start to think like, man, oh, I forgot about that. I sort of buried that. Um, if you were given a dream, it is only for one reason it is because you can achieve that. And so you might have to become reskilled to that. You might even have to become a better human being to do that. But you were given that dream because it's yours. And now you're going to share it with lots of people, perhaps a teacher, perhaps a family member, and they're probably going to take a dump on your idea. Now, here's the reason, because that dream was not given to them. It was given to you. So your job is to protect that dream and nurture that dream and not worry about what everyone says it is, unless it's an unhealthy habit or something crazy like that. That's not, that's a nightmare, not a dream. And so when, if you have a dream that you have been suppressing, uh, I challenge you to look it up and start just taking every, every journey starts with a step. St take the next step towards if it's to be a doctor in a foreign country, well, you might need to start taking some courses in biology. I don't know what it is, but if you were given a dream, it is yours to accomplish. And if you don't, uh, the world will never get it. And so uh, it's really your responsibility. I don't want to be that hard on you, but uh, if you were given a dream and you've suppressed it, um, I hope that, hope that gives you a little tingle in your stomach because it's, you're supposed to do it. Yeah. And I think it, it reminds me of that quote, what you seek is seeking you, right? Like to understand what you're, and this, we say this all the time on the podcast, at least I talk about this with major on our AMA uh, segments where we say, you know, understand your desires, like make a list of the things that you want, like from the frivolous, the, the pied à terre in the sixième arrondissement in Paris, that's mine, to, that's my frivolous one, all the way down to like making a change for informed consent in terms of the way that women deal with their healthcare and making and like getting really specific about it. Because if you don't know what your desires are, then how can you ever move forward? How can you ever take that first you know, step. And it's like the, you know, the old adage, like how do you eat an elephant, right? You got to do it you know, one step at a time kind of thing. Yep. Um, why, and this, I have one question, uh, actually, Giovanni, this is more for you. Why do you think that, and you've seen this because in Archangel, you have these different levels of coaching um, that you do f to help people actualize on their dreams. Why do you think people give up on their dreams? And is there ever a reason to do that? Is there ever a reason to give up on the dream or the idea that you have been marinating in and thinking about? I think uh, when I define dream, uh, especially in the work that we do, I like to make it, uh, like I, I'll tell people in our community, make it about impact and making it about contribution and service where it's totally cool to dream about, you know, our house in, in Paris one day, uh, or, yes. <laughs> or, or the <laughs> beautiful car you might have or whatever that is. Those, those are more about you as the individual. But for me, the, my definition of dream is, um, 
change and transformation and better future for the most number of people. And it's those kind of bigger dreams uh, connected to who you are and your calling that I think, uh, back to what Nick said, which was, by the way, epic, Nick, that was beautiful. Um, if, you, if, if that kind of thing has been implanted in you, uh, it, it becomes the North Star for everything. And I think people are so afraid. And I think we've also been programmed with, with a lot of, of voices in our heads of telling us why we're not good enough. And a lot of the things that you talk about on your show, Steph, um, like about mindset and limiting beliefs and, and those th- mindset issues that plague us. And that's why people feel disconnected. And yet it's kind of like um, a seed of hope that I don't think will ever go away. Sometimes people will have hopelessness. And, and to me, that is your, it's like your body's G, internal GPS system telling you that you're just not aligned on the right path right now, but it doesn't mean you're broken. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. And I've been in that place. I've been to the depths of hopelessness to the point where I, at um, one point I was contemplating suicide. Like I, I felt that, but the, the, the seedling of the dream thing is always there. I think it's almost ingrained in all of us. And if you understand that there's nothing wrong with you, you're not broken, you're not uh, weird. And, and, or maybe you are weird, but it's, I define weird as a good thing. Weird is different and different stands out and you can build the thing you want to build on the difference. Uh, like our friend, our friend, Sally Hogshead, who says that different is better than better. Yep. Right. And it's the only time I would say that on this show, especially. Yeah, I was going to say she can't be on the, she can't be on the show because the title is better. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to start different my show. is better than better. No, it's not, Sally. <laughs> better is different and different. But the idea better. that, um, uh, you, it, it fluctuates. It's not a thing that ever goes away. I don't think. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's fog. Like the, you don't have the clarity and you feel that fog of despair, but that's a temporary place for anybody. So if anyone's listening right now and they're feeling that you're feeling lost, especially with all the weirdness happening in the world right now, if you're feeling low, know that it's a temporary state. It's not, it doesn't define you and who you are. You are not defined by any stupid label, like anything that starts with the letter A. But I think a lot of people like us, especially entrepreneurial type people, were labeled as as kids, whether it's ADD, ADD yeah, anxiety, anxiety Asperger's, yeah, mm-hmm. all of these things, right? It, it, all of those things are actually superpowers. They're gifts. Mm-hmm. Because you're different, it's a gift. You just have to know how to use the gift. It's like uh, trying to drive a Ferrari for the first time or a race car, like on a track, and you just got your driver's license. You might think you suck, um, right? But you, but you have a Ferrari. You just have to understand, you have to learn the different skill of driving the Ferrari. Well, we have, we have Ferrari brains. We have Ferrari dreams. We have these things that we have to learn how to drive. There's nothing wrong with you. It's, and if anything, it's the speciality of you that makes you amazing. It's understanding that and then, and then harnessing that. I totally agree. And I think there's also a, a couple of things that people often don't address in this realm. I mean, there are times when you need to or have to put something on pause to focus on something else that's super important to you. It could be taking care of a, a dying loved one, a friend, uh, your, your own body. There's a, we did that sort of uh, that live Q and a, uh, a while back. And there's a woman who kept asking like, but how do I, con- I, I'm dealing with this, this disease, this infirmity, this, what, and, and my message to her, you, you spoke greatly to it too. But it's like, well, number one, look, 
there you need to take care of your body like first of all and there's certain things you cannot control and for that i am sorry however the fact that your brain is still worried about how to accomplish your dreams tells me you have it in you but you you very likely need to really focus on getting your health back first make that your first dream so that you can move on or you may need to to focus on uh you know not giving into your addiction so much so that you can go into your dream. You may need to focus on making sure you have enough money to pay your rent before you like life circumstances happen. And that's the thing. That's the greatest thing about what we saw with all these people in the film. Every single one of these people dealt with circumstances of like people like you got Peter Diamandis, who now is one of the most celebrated guys in the world who literally people telling him you're an idiot. Like just, you really think like literally like a guy who the world worships now. I mean, and, and he, he had a drive to become the person who he is today, but doesn't make it any easier when you're surrounded by people who don't believe in you like that sucks. And so, uh, you know, surround yourself with the right people, first of all. And but there are times like for mental health, physical health, other reasons, there are times you will have to hit pause. Um, my friend Nito Cobain uh, says there's no such thing as unrealistic dreams, just unrealistic timelines. And I, I love the fact that there's oh, that's true. I love that. There's going to be a day. There's going to be a day. If you have to stretch your timeline, like, you know, go, go a little easy on yourself. I haven't met many people who are super easy on themselves. Like, ah, you know, I just gained five pounds. Oh, good. Ah, you know, I just, you know, whatever. Like, just give yourself a bit of a break sometimes. It's, it's, it's healthy. Yes. Ladies, I hope you're the ladies who are listening, who are my type A ladies who beat themselves up over everything. I hope that you just heard that. Something I got to say, just so I don't forget, because you'll love this. You talk about women and their health. I'm doing uh, another film with uh, some friends of mine, and they do lots of stuff in the, in the health space. And I interviewed this woman who has this company who helps women through menopause. And she said something that blew my mind. She said, it's like a second puberty for women. Like, I was like, well, she's like, but no one spent, no one talks, no one knows how to deal with it. Like, they don't, yeah. they don't talk about it. And so I, I, I wish I could remember her name, but I, I could try to find it. But I thought it should be great to have on because it's such a different way of looking at a thing that has been sort of like, you know, dealt with in back alleys and behind closed doors for years when it's such a natural thing. Just like, I mean, just puberty, like it's a second wave of puberty for women. And I think that's the way she said it, but it made sense to me when she said it that way. It's probably like, oh, you're not very smart. It's like this. Um, but I thought it's, <laughs> it's a beautiful thing when we realize like um, Dean Jackson, who we all know well too. Uh, Dean, Dean has a, fr- uh, a phrase saying uh, where he says, just be the umpire. He's like, just call the ball as it lies. Like you, if you can try to remove your emotion, like the ball is where it is. It's in or out. If you can learn, okay, the ball's out. I need to react this way. The ball's in. I need to react this way. It's a much better way to live. I love that. I want the name of her because that's actually what we, how we try to talk about menopause on the podcast. It's like, you know what? Now you don't have to waste all this energy making an endometrial lining anymore. You're free and you can't get pregnant, you know, like go you. So, um, all right. I have, um, I have a couple more questions. Nick, this is, this is for you. Um, this has been a rough year, um, by, for, for many people, there's been, uh, mental, I mean, there's been the pandemic, which has had its own health implications. Of course, the one I'm most concerned with is, is the fallout, the psychological and the mental health, you know, where we are not in communities. We are not, we are, you know, we call it social distancing when it's just six, you know, it shouldn't be social distancing. It should really physical be distancing. physical distancing. Yeah. Why is a documentary about dreaming so important in, I mean, in 2020 for sure, but, but beyond that, why is this documentary so important right now? 
the best thing about a good film, a good song, a good story is that you forget your current circumstances and get lost in someone else's. And I think that we effectively did that with this film. And I find when uh, the, the human brain is brilliant yet, um so much like a dog sometimes like we you know like dogs like when you leave they say every time you leave they're not sure you're coming back like they don't they don't re- they don't recognize the patterns that geo recognizes. like oh he leaves every day at nine o'clock and he but i have a dog who sits in the same place every day he sort of knows i think but they but so but like our brain like it you could have had months of, I don't know anything about clinical depression, so I'm not calling it, but like you could have been sort of down for months and yet watch a 90 minute film that's inspiring. And for most of that 90 minutes and hopefully a little bit longer after that, you can, you can forget about the past and maybe start forging ahead with a dream in the future. And so that's what I think is so important about this film is that hopefully it gives people, um, hopefully it tricks people into dreaming again. And, uh, and hopefully, um, it gives people the space to dream, to realize that um, dreams and the obstacles to them, um, they go hand in hand. I mean, the biggest breakthroughs ever come because you actually had to break through. You actually had to do something that seemed impossible. Again, Peter Diamandis says, the day before something is achieved, it's impossible. It just by nature. And so uh, you, I hope it gives people the space and I hope it lets them lose themselves in. And the reason I love the diversity of the types of people, the ideas, the accomplishments um, is because it shows you that this is, uh, this doesn't live in a vacuum. This is possible for anyone and anything. Lovely. Gia, what about you? Why do you think this is an important documentary? And, and maybe talk a little bit about the, because you're re-releasing the film, right? So it was, it was free for a week and now it's coming back out again? Yeah, right now people can watch a free screening. Um, the official release is going to be in the fall on, on different uh, networks and stuff. But right now you can go to dreamer.movie uh, or dreamerdocumentary.com and register to watch it for free from home. And I think part of it is going back to the next idea of, of taking a pause, I think people need a pause from negativity. People need a like if all, almost all media right now is, is binary, is fighting, is ne- negative news, is, is stuff that gets us into fight or flight and stuff that gets us into scarcity and stuff that creates fear, no matter what the topic is. And it's compounding fear. And it's um, like Nick mentioned, it's, it's hard to be creative. It's hard to move forward. It's hard to get into momentum. It's hard to, to dream if your body is in fight or flight, if you are afraid, if um, you are anxious. And it's what, what the feedback has been already from people who've seen the film. And some people, are, uh, like my favorite things are people saying, I've seen it five times, or I watched it and I had to have my kids see it. And like, my kids loved it. Like, honestly, Nick, those are my favorite things of when people say their kids are engaged. Because for all of us that have kids who have devices who are on these things that you mentioned, like all, all of the Minecrafts and the Roblox and the whatever, um, to have a kid, a child, a student engaged enough to watch a full movie uh, that's a documentary is, is, is music to my ears. And I think the fact that it can shift, sometimes it's the first domino in the other direction, right? So the dominoes keep stacking up in the negative side, but sometimes there's just that one that starts to shift to balance in the other way and gets people to think one degree different, but that one degree now becomes a massive shift in the future. And, and to provide people with, with the hope and to provide people with um, belief in themselves of what's possible again, and, and to create um, 
like a global army of dreamers, because again, it's the community aspect of this whole thing too. That is so important that to understand that there's people out there that are like you, you're not alone. Uh, We are a community of people that want to serve other people. And the feeling of, Oh, someone believes in me and the feeling that I can believe in myself and the feeling that, you know what, I have hope again shifts the frequency in the other direction. And that leads to a bit more courage and then a bit more confidence. And then you can actually like change yourself and then change others and then maybe even change the world. I love that. And you have some speak, like you have the speakers from the, like you have the people that were featured in the film. They're going to be like, tell us about Dreamer Festival. Uh, Cause we, the way that we're scheduling this release is we're going to be releasing this um, uh, conversation the week uh, before Dreamer Festival. So if people want to figure out more about that, like tell, tell us about what that is. Um, I know that we have a lot of, like, a lot of amazing people from the film that are going to be speaking as well. Yeah, we have. So we, we, uh, we thought that the movie is amazing and it's already causing shifts, but how do we help people um, take action after the movie? So it's not just about uh, uh, an hour and a half of entertainment and, and positivity, but it's actually getting people to take action, to start building their dreams, to start building communities. So we thought, you know, my, my company, Archangel, we're known for a, com- a global community of change makers and people who are making impact and are, are amazing events. And given the fact that um, physical distancing and all this stuff, we can't do an in-person thing. So we thought, let's do something even bigger. So we're doing the world's largest personal development event on September 26th uh, called Dreamer Festival that's related to the film. And a bunch of people who are in the movie are going to be speaking live, sharing their wisdom that you can learn from. And then we have other incredible speakers. Like we have Bob Iger, who's the um, CEO of Disney, um, like the biggest dreaming company on the planet. Um, Justin Paul, who is the uh, Grammy winning, Oscar winning, I think Tony winning recording artist who wrote all the music for Greatest Showman. By the way, Nick, I don't know if I told you that one yet. So if um, you guys collaborate, you guys have the EGOT. <laughs> yeah, you, got so the, he, you got all four. <laughs> like, he, he wrote the song A Million Dreams. Well, he wrote all the music from wow. Greatest Showman, but that's my favorite song ever. And it's part of my mission to, to help A Million Dreams come true. So he'll be performing and interviewing there. Um, a ton of epic speakers uh, sharing their best stuff with us and entertainment and performers. So it'll be uh, part wisdom, part entertainment and fun, and then all community. And we, we want to really make a giant shift and that's going to happen September 26th. Yeah. That's community made. Like in you, like I've, I've watched you create these events so I can say with firsthand experience, they are, they are like no other. Um, you know what, you guys, this has been such a wonderful conversation. Nick, thank you so much for the work that you do. And it has been like, I've seen you and Giovanni creating this movie over the last several years and it's just to see it to fruition. And there was, uh, I'll just share with you my, there was one part where Emily uh, Fletcher, she's been on, on our podcast and she was in the film and she said, you know, when you're younger, it makes you think, you know, you want to fit in, but the things that make you stand out from the crowd are actually what you want as an adult. And I remember when she said that, I just got so verklempt. Like I got so choked up in my, cause that was my thought my whole life. I'm like, why can't I just fit in? Like I'm trying to be exactly like these other people, but it just never works in some way. And um, even as an adult, just watching that, I was like, God, I want so many kids to watch this and I want mothers to watch this and fathers to watch this. And, um, and people who have those things, have those desires, those things that are, they are seeking, but are also seeking them. 
uh, to watch this to be inspired. So thank you both for spending some time with me today, talking about dreaming, talking about the trafficking uh, at the top of the conversation. We'll have all of the links in the show notes and uh, you, you both are just wonderful, wonderful guys. I hope that you found this conversation one worth bringing to your attention. If you want to watch the Dreamer documentary, just go to dreamerdocumentary.com. That's D-R-E-A-M-E-R-D-O-C-U-M-E-N-T-A-R-Y.com. And you can register to watch it for free right now. And hopefully this will be an inspiration for you, your family. We've actually built in the Dreamer documentary into our children's uh, homeschooling uh, curriculum. So they are going to be doing a small project on this. And I hope that this may be a source of inspiration for you, whether you want your children to watch it, maybe you need some inspiration. So dreamerdocumentary.com. And until next time, I hope that you are staying safe, that you are staying happy and with your loved ones. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For those of you who want to continue on this week's Geeky Magic Carpet Ride with me, visit bettershow.co forward slash show notes. You'll find research, links, summary notes, musings that I prepared in preparation for the podcast. And I often throw in some of my best practices, bonuses, and links. All the juicy bits are in there for you. And now for the obligatory legal and medical disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only, and the advice recommendations we discuss do not replace medicine, chiropractic, or any other primary healthcare provider's advice, treatment, or care. In the consumption of this podcast, there is no doctor-patient relationship formed, and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for primary care, diagnosis, or treatment. This episode is brought to you by yours truly, Dr. Stephanie Asima, and Leverage. Leverage handles all production, creates the images that you see on my social media, and takes out all my awkward pauses. They are my secret magic bullet. You can visit them at getleverage.com forward slash better.